Hello, and welcome to Returning to Us, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to hack your brain, build and strengthen relationships, and to teach people how to recognize and neutralize their emotional states. I'll discuss emotional intelligence and regulation, how food and exercise impact the body and brain, and share lessons from my own lived experiences. I'm Lauren Spiegelmeyer, the founder of The Behavior Hub, which is an organization that works to reduce the stressors of raising and educating children through a brain and biology-based lens. In these episodes, I'll share stories and strategies from my own life, work, and research, answer listener questions, and wrap it up with a try-it-at-home tip. Decades worth of information in just minutes. You ready? For today's episode, we are talking about progressive muscle relaxation. What on earth is this and why should we care about it? Essentially, I call it tense and release strategies because you are tensing up part of your body's muscle group, holding it really tight for a few seconds and then releasing it. And we'll talk about why that is in just a moment. But let's talk a little bit of science behind this. So why do we care about this? Well, because we are an overly stressed society and one way to alleviate some of the stress is progressive muscle relaxation. It helps get us back into balance when our moods and our energy is all over the place. When we're having those stressful moments, when kids are having breakdowns, these are great active Uh, engaging strategies for kids to use in those moments and they don't take a lot of time and they are free. So we want to use these when kids are having breakdowns. We want to practice them so that they recall them to use them during those high intensity moments. We want to practice them ahead of time because they help to keep our system, our stress response system and our nervous system neutralized and at bay. So they're helpful to use preventatively too, like just the practice we use every night. After we're done brushing our teeth, we do some progressive muscle relaxation. Maybe every morning with breakfast, we do some progressive muscle relaxation. And the beauty is they can be used during those times. Not a lot of effort or energy or or even time involved uh, can take just a couple seconds. So let's talk a bit here about what exactly it is. Basically, it's a deep relaxation technique and it's used to reduce or kind of release stress or maybe extra energy. So for your hyperactive kids, great time, great strategy to use these things. So here's how it works. As we know, things like panic and frustration and anxiety, they all manifest in the form of energy pulsing through our bodies. So why not give our bodies somewhere to send that energy, particularly outside the body? (laughs) Because otherwise we're going to hold all that tenseness and tension in our bodies. So two-step process for progressive muscle relaxation. The first step is tensing up a group of muscles and holding them really tight, verbally for at least 10 seconds. Step two is releasing the muscles in a relaxed, slow way that allows the tension to flow away from the body. Hence why I call it tense and release or tense and relax. The first step of this is really talking to kids openly and and being aware of it yourself and being mindful of it. 
What does it feel like in your body? What are the strong feelings? Anxiety, fear, frustration, worry. What are the signs of that? What are the physical signs? And then where do we hold those things in our body? For me, definitely my upper shoulders, my neck. That's where my tension is held. I know that. Some people hold it in their abdominals, some in the lower back, some in their legs, some in their feet. So be mindful of and make sure to ask kids where their tension is being held. And for younger kids, I often refer to this analogy of <laughs> using spaghetti noodles to compare our muscles to. So uncooked spaghetti is rigid. Doesn't taste very good, right? But cooked spaghetti is relaxed and wiggly and it tastes good. So we want our muscles to be a little bit more like cooked spaghetti, not mushy spaghetti, but cooked. We don't want our our muscles to be like uncooked spaghetti and be tight and rigid. So a little bit of progressive muscle relaxation is like cooking the spaghetti just a little bit, loosening it up so that it's better for our body. Okay, so here's some tips to keep in mind when you are doing or introducing progressive muscle relaxation. We're going to call this PMR. I'm going to stop saying that big, long, sciencey term, PMR. Practice it. Kids will never remember to use it during a tantrum or in, during a breakdown if they haven't practiced it first. It has to already be in their memory system because during those moments, they can't access logic and reason. So if you try to ask them to do something or try to teach them something new, they will definitely not remember. So practice it ahead of time. Make it a routine. And you can also use it preventatively. It doesn't need to be always used in the moment when emotions are high. You can use it as part of your routine in the morning, lunch, evening, bedtime, and it will help to keep moods more neutralized and balanced. I would also encourage you to create some type of script because if you create a script and there's repetition, then they'll be able to use it and call on it in those moments of, of high emotion. And, and talk about it. Talk about you using them. Talk about how you use them, when you use them, what your body feels like before and after using them, what your body felt like that caused you to want to use one. Be very open and verbal and talk about these things. And if you haven't done this before and you haven't used these before and you start to use them, think about what, you know, when would you need to or want to use them? Okay, so where are some examples of progressive, progressive muscle relaxation? PMR, I'm going to call it PMR. I'm not going to say that term again. Face. So you could scrunch up your face and hold your nose or your face really tight. Five, 10 seconds and then release. Um, it kind of looks like the scrunched up face emoji. I also think about it like if you had like a bug on your nose and you were trying to get it, the bug off your nose, you might like wiggle your nose a little bit and scrunch that up. You've got the turtle. So that's where you hold your shoulders. You take your shoulders and you bring them up by your ears and you scrunch them up by your ears and you hold them really tight and you push your neck down into your shoulders and you squeeze and then you let go. Picture like a, a turtle going into its shell. It's going to squeeze down into its shell. You're going to squeeze your shoulders up by your ears. You can also do your arms. So you could squeeze your hands like you were squeezing lemons for younger kids. I'll ask them to, to squeeze it visualize squeezing a food. For some kids, you might even want them to squeeze a real food. They could squeeze a lemon just to get that sensation of their, their hands and their wrists tightening up and their forearms tightening up. Sometimes for younger kids, I'll point out like the veins in their arm. You can see the veins in their arm or like, show me your veins. Squeeze harder. I can't see them. Make it a game. Make it a competition. Make it fun. You can do your abdominal. Um, you can pretend that you are squeezing through a fence. So you can hold your abdominal really tight, hold your breath, pretend to squeeze through the planks of a fence. 
release, go back through. You can also pretend or picture that maybe like a puppy is going to jump on your stomach. So you brace your stomach and you hold it for 10 seconds. Maybe that puppy is bouncing around on there and you can pretend to put your hand on like a child's stomach and pretend that your, your hand is a puppy feet or puppy feet. And then release. Legs, you can pull your legs really tight to your body and squeeze them. You can also use your feet and dig your toes into the ground like you're digging your toes into sand or into mud. So all different ways to practice muscle relaxation, tense and release strategies. Um, another one I've done is, is pretend that I'm chomping on a carrot. I'm not chomping, but like biting down on a carrot. So I have them bite their jaw, like bite their teeth together, their jawbone um, to get the tension there. So bite a carrot, hold it really tight, squeeze, and then let go. So, so many different options here. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll even just let kids pick their own muscle group, think of a strategy, and then name it. I had one kid I think he <laughs> said, I'm going to turn into a basketball. And I was like, I don't understand, but go ahead, <laughs> give a shot. Let me see. Uh, and he pulled his legs into his body and he wrapped his arms around his leg and he brought his head up and he squeezed his whole body really, really tight. And that worked so well for him. So basketball PMR strategy is what we called it. Um, but they have so many different ideas just floating around in their head. They can easily come up with something. And when we give them the control and the ownership over coming up with their own strategy, they're more likely to use it because they feel proud of it and they've made it up. For older kids, again, really something that is important to them, something that motivates them. Uh, and they're going to need the why behind it. The older kids are going to need to know why they are doing this. It helps to regulate their body. It helps to release stress, it helps to release tension, helps to send the energy in a different place. They're not holding it within their bodies. So that's progressive muscle relaxation in a nutshell. Remember to practice these so that kids can use them in the moment when they are breaking down. Remember to also embed these into your routine as a preventative way to keep mood stabilized and to, to manage those big energies and emotions. That takes us to today's listener question. It comes from Pennsylvania. When in classrooms or homes, it's not always clear who should take the initiative or lead in dealing with a child's behaviors. What do you recommend? I'm assuming, well, let's talk classrooms versus homes. In classrooms, I would say define the person. So depending on who the child has a stronger relationship with, maybe that person should be responding to the behaviors. Um, Maybe one person is a primary behavior person in the classroom. So maybe just openly have a conversation about who, whose role is this? Same with families. Is it moms or dads? Is it, you know, this person's or this person's? Is it grandma or is it grandpa? Who, whose role is it? And it doesn't always need to remain that person's role. It doesn't mean the other person can't deal with the behavior. I would just say define who the person is that is best suited to respond to those behaviors because sometimes our kids will trigger us. So it's not always best for us to respond. And when there's someone else available that cannot be triggered and can respond better. That said, I think if you're not the comfortable one responding, there might be some weaknesses there that we can work on. We all have things that we're working on. We're all a work in progress. So what would help you to not be triggered? What would help you to respond better? Because we want to ultimately get you there. So I would start to think about that and start to work on that uh, and openly talk with your partner, whoever your 
co-teacher is and what, what is the best way to respond and how can someone who's not used to responding that way get closer to responding that way because we want everyone to be able to respond in a, the best way possible in a moment when the other person may not be there or not be able to respond and note that we each take our own approach and there's not necessarily a I mean, I should say there is a right and a wrong approach. <laughs> there is not a lot of benefit of screaming and yelling and, and harsh punitive punishment. But <laughs> there, there are different approaches and different approaches are okay. You don't all need to have the same approach. It helps to be consistent though in what you are responding with, consequences, punishments, if that's what you're offering up, then make sure you're, you're at least consistent across the board. But um I would say the biggest thing is just to openly talk about who who is best suited to respond, how can the other person become better suited to respond, and how can we all, both to each other and to the child, meet behaviors with respect, responsibility, and compassion, understanding, because these behaviors are communicating something, some type of need that's unmet. So grace. We need to all have grace for each other. All right, to wrap up the show, I'll give you a try at home tip, which is rocket breathing. And in a previous episode, we had talked about why breathing is so important, but like progressive muscle relaxation, helps to stabilize your mood, helps to bring down your energy, depending on which type of breathing you are doing, and helps to calm kids down when they are in those elevated states. So rocket breath is a matter of taking a big, big, big breath in, preferably through the nose, and putting your hands up by your mouth, and breathing out really hard and fast and shooting your hands up in the air like a rocket. So, fuck a ship. And five, 10, 15 of them, you can make it a competition whose rocket goes higher. You can make it a visualization activity, visualize the rockets going up into the sky, but rocket breathing is often motivating for young children. That is it for today's episode of the Returning to Us podcast. Don't forget our try at home tip, rocket breathing. And if you would like me to answer your question on a future episode, email me at podcast at thebehaviorhub.com or send me a text 717-693-7744. And don't forget to lock in what you learned right away. It's the best way to put it in memory and remember to use it. An easy way to do this is to leave a comment or review below with your biggest takeaway. And then don't forget to subscribe to future episodes to learn more ways to hack your brain and manage those big, strong feelings. And until next episode, I am Lauren Spiegelmeyer, and thanks for joining me. 